Entrepreneurs Start Here helps you bridge the gap between now and what is next. We embrace taking action and leaning into your community to grow. Explore the ins and outs of being an entrepreneur and what it takes to truly start through candid interviews with innovators like you. This is the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. Yeah, I guess you could call it the uh, like MTV Unplugged episode. It's just going to be the two of us, no guests today, uh, talking about a little bit about our story. I guess some of the things that we're working on right now. Uh, we'll touch on the kind of material that I think you guys will want to hear. Uh, you know, we'll talk about self-improvement, what we're reading, uh, what we would do with $10,000 if we were starting a business tomorrow, all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy and it's a little bit of a different model. So let us know what you think. Cool. So we, yeah, we realized that we've interviewed a lot of guests, but you don't really know who we are. So we thought we'd share a little bit about ourselves and let's start with you, Owen. So let's, uh, let's hear about your story. I know it well, um, but where, where have you come from? Where have you been? What's your journey so far? Yeah. Okay. Well, my story, that's, a little bit vague starts uh, about you know 23 years ago now but uh, I guess relevant piece um, coming out of high school I went to the Royal Military College of Canada um, so my career path in my mind was going to be joining the, the Canadian Forces I was in there for a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and training to be an artillery officer and for a variety of reasons that would probably be its own story uh, I just guess decided that that wasn't really a fit for me um, so that was a, a pretty big turning point in my life. I had always had my career path settled. I had succeeded in getting into a school. It was pretty hard to get into. I had enjoyed my time there. It really felt like I didn't have to worry about thinking about my career anymore. Like I had it settled. So uh, pivoting away from that was a, was a pretty big moment for me. And I found myself you know, sitting there at my desk back at home, not sure what I was going to do. I had applied to a bunch of universities but uh, just due to the way the military works, in the process of leaving, I wasn't able to leave right away. And actually, you can't just quit the army. They call that desertion and you go to jail. Uh, so I had to wait until October to get out. And it was already too late to go to university that, that September. So I found myself with a, almost a year sitting at home wondering what I was going to do. And that's kind of when the idea of business became very attractive to me. Um, I guess I was 18 or 19 years old and I was thinking about what I was going to do. And I thought, you know, business would allow me to work for myself, which was kind of the opposite of the military thing. And as I started exploring that, that world, uh, I, I came to be very attractive to me and became something that I, uh, I really dedicated myself to. And so I went to university for business after that. And since then, I've been, been working in that, that field, I guess. Uh, and the, the first real opportunity I had, as you know, was with College Pro. Um, so they came and spoke at one of my, my, lectures and told me an opportunity to run my own business with a support structure in exchange for a royalty, like a franchising system. Um, and that's, that's what I did. So I ran my own business for two years there. And uh, now I, of course, work with you at the corporate team for, for College Pro and with Entrepreneurs Start Here. So I guess, yeah, a little bit missing detail in between, but I guess we'll, we'll cover that in time. Yeah, you've done a few other things. Tree planting is the one that sticks out in my mind. I think we talked about that on one of the episodes. 
recently. Um, and yeah, yeah I did. That, that kind of comes in that time in between RMC and going to school for business. Like I said, I had a year at home and I, some people might like living at home. I found it pretty distasteful going from independent and then back to being a, a homebody. So I, I kind of took as much time away from it as possible. So I did a, like three months backpacking solo throughout Europe, um, kind of on a whim. My friend and his girlfriend were getting rid of their tickets to go to Europe and I got a really good deal. So I took like a one-way ticket to Spain and mooched around there with uh, my three grand in my bank account for as long as I possibly could, which was three months. And then, uh, yeah, I came back and went tree planting in Northern Ontario for the entire summer. So out of the year I had at home, I spent as uh, as little as a couple months there just because I, I didn't think that was probably a good thing for me to be doing at that time. You know what? I never knew that it was on a whim like that, that you just took over somebody's ticket because they weren't going to go. That that makes a lot of sense, though. I can see that. Happening. Yeah, I think it was like a week and a half's notice or something pretty funny like that. <laughs> I told my parents, I remember like, yeah, I got a good deal on a plane ticket. I'm just going to go. I guess traveling was a little easier then. Yes, yes. If it were that easy right now, I think I would be able to say uh, yes on a whim like that. If somebody presented me the opportunity, especially Spain. That's like my, the dream place I want to go, honestly. That's the dream. Yeah, well, I actually spent too much time in Spain. I was like in Barcelona so much. I realized I had spent a little too much money, a little too fast. I had to get going. Do you pick up any Spanish? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. That's funny. Yeah, when I, would, no. when I was like trying to find somebody in Spain and like ask them a question, I would start with like English, Francais, and I hope hope for one of the two. Usually it was <laughs> neither. They mostly seem to just speak Spanish over there. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I I uh, sometimes re remember that you used to be in the army. I think that's that's so cool. I'm a from a military family, so I ca I kind of know what that's all about. I'm used to live really near RMC and I'm always curious like what was it like um, and I wonder if there's anything that you learned I know that you were, were there for a little while um, yeah is there anything that you learned while you're in the army? I'd say there's a lot that I learned and I guess it's kind of personal I'm sure that everyone's learning experiences would be different but I guess when I think of myself in that army environment for the first time um, a big element was that I was like a capricious, young, rebellious high schooler going into it. So maybe the learning and the experience that, that other people would have would be different. But it really, I think, did a lot to like mature me socially and professionally at a young age. Um, you know, I don't know, I think back, I, like, I don't know, you, you, you think about yourself and your psychology and you think about those big moments where you had a breakthrough in terms of the way you thought about things. Like, you know, whether that's like getting through a layer of your, your ego or your, your narrative, you tell yourself about yourself and, you know, seeing reality from from a different perspective or, or things like that. I think of that time as being a lot of that type of psychological development where, you know, just with the basic training, really, like the, the whole, you know, 13 week process of that in the military is about kind of breaking you down and building you back up as like a cohesive member of a, of a team of a unit. And I guess I'm a pretty independent person, as you know, and I'm. Uh, I tend to like to work smarter, not harder. And so those kinds of, um, I guess, personality traits, when you're like a 17 year old kid, they kind of manifest in some negative antisocial counterproductive ways a little bit. And I think that the army was really valuable for me in terms of like realizing that, you know, if I wasn't going to be the one to step up and help out the team with this particular process, it was going to be somebody else who was doing it. Or if I was shirking my duties, someone else was picking up the slack. You know, it's, it's zero sum. Anything that you don't do, anything that you neglect, 
it has to be taken over by someone else. So I think it, it just those kinds of psychological maturations, I guess, is, is what I think I was being the most important things I got out of the army, uh, along with, you know, hard work and being able to endure suffering. I think enduring suffering, like durability, I guess you'd call that. I think those were, were big lessons. Like nothing ever feels as bad as some of those moments when they're psychologically torturing you for the sake of your self-improvement, right? Like by comparison, like tree planting, like uh, we started with like 150 people and we had 40 people by the end. Um, so I think that like what made me one of the 40 who could stick around in that shitty environment is that that environment didn't seem that shitty to me at the time compared to what I had already endured. So I guess I would recommend that experience uh, to anyone who didn't know what they were going to do right now. I mean, going to basic training is free. In fact, you get paid for it and you have the opportunity to leave after basic training if you don't want to continue and make that your career. So I think that if, if anyone's out there stuck and doesn't know what they're going to do right now, that's, that's probably a good thing to do. It certainly isn't a waste of time. You make a pretty good buck and you kind of get the decision as to whether you'd want to pursue that for your first full three-year contract or not, or however you'd want to pursue it. Yeah, my dad always spoke really highly of the military. He definitely wanted me to go to RMC. Maybe we would have seen each other there in an alternate universe, which is kind of funny. But it sounds like whatever learning somebody would maybe have kind of going through university or coming out of high school and going into their next steps of their life, you had in a very concentrated way, like what you went through with boot camp and everything else in the army was probably way more intense. Um, but it sounds like you can't, well, you definitely came out on the other side, better, better for it. And, uh, glad you did, I guess I wouldn't have met you if you didn't leave the, <laughs> leave the army eventually. Yeah. I mean, uh, in my mind to this day, it's kind of sad that I felt that I had to, but I think I just made the choice that was, that was best for me in that particular moment. But that's enough about me. You know, I'm uncomfortable talking about myself for, for too long. Uh, don't like to feel like I'm prattling on, but things no one cares about so how about you Quinn let's uh, put that over to you what's your story and how did you end up where I guess where we both are today sure sure well we were talking a little bit earlier I guess to go way back uh, I was born on the east coast um, my whole family is out there so I, I spend a lot of time out there still uh, I was born in Halifax like I said my dad was in the military so I moved all over I think I moved uh, up until this year I had moved more times than years I was old like I moved I moved a lot and that was from um, being a military kid I lived on the east coast and west coast and, and in between as well and uh, my parents used to build well yeah my parents used to design and build houses and so we'd my dad would build a house and my mom would like design the next one while we're moving in and living there for like a year and then we move on to the next one and move to the next and move to the next pretty cool I didn't know that that they were designing and building each house you moved to that must have been like I guess that in some ways must have made like the moving process a little bit more challenging every single time eh? yeah well I I mean I loved it I'm really glad looking I remember one one particular day I was 10 years old and my dad said we were moving from Halifax at the time to BC and I thought the world had absolutely ended. Um, I was so upset. Like, I think I scarred my father. He still probably is haunted by how mad I was when, as a 10-year-old when I learned we were moving from the East Coast to the West. Um, so I was really upset at that particular time. But overall, like, looking back, I'm really glad that I moved a bunch. I think uh, it helped me in a lot of ways. And, um, I mean, my parents, like, they had... My, my dad had his job and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, which I felt very 
blessed, I guess, to have her stay at home with us. Um, so I guess I didn't, I've never actually asked them about it, but it was probably like an extra, extra income stream, you know, to build houses. My dad right, did fair. a lot of the work him, himself. Um, and then we would sell them. So yeah, I actually, I've honestly never talked to them about like the financial side of that. Cause it happened when I was younger than one would consider the financial side of it. Um, but yeah, it was, well, it let's was get that cool. man on the, uh, on the podcast, bring him on. We'll interview my interview dad. House flipping oh, business. Yeah. Michael McKinley. Yeah. Yeah. No, he'd build them from he the ground up, like buy an empty lot, clear it. I remember the dynamite, like we blew up the, the bedrock and everything. And yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. And I think that has kind of translated into what I'm, what I'm interested in today, I guess too. Which but is. yeah, well, I, I like real estate. I, I, I like browsing, you know, MLS and looking forward to buying another house soon. But um, yeah, I like to fill in the gap, I guess, from when I was 10. And, and now uh, one of my first jobs, we were just talking off, off air, I guess. We both had our first job as a dishwasher in the dish pit of the local restaurant. Uh, so that was my first job. And I used to work super hard, like take double shifts every time I could. Um, and I got promoted to a delivery driver, which I thought was like the coolest wow, job the ever. Promotion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I love feel like that. I remember you, you saying you drove something funny back then as a delivery driver. I drove a so Jeep funny. Wrangler and I had like the time of my life driving around uh, small town, Ontario, delivering food and, uh, you know, picking up my friends if it was a long delivery and driving with them. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, that was fun. I, I worked in in high school and then I went to Dalhousie uh, in Halifax I think so when I was 17 going to university I think I wanted to be part of the UN like that was that was my life's plan I think mm, um, it's a good plan. yeah I I thought so at the time so I went into international development it's an arts degree and I had a lot of fun at university and I also I really liked math and I didn't have any math in my degree so I added Nerd. a double major uh doing econ which was like as close as I could get but did international development and economics in in university um and I came back and I found this job as a window cleaner for the summer after my first year at, in Ottawa and so I came back for the for the summer I was in Ottawa at the time and I washed windows for the summer and then I learned that the, like what the company was about which was the one that we we work for you right know um college pro and I learned that I could be a, a manager like as a part of the entrepreneur start here program and so the next four summers I I managed my business through college pro and it absolutely like for sure changed my whole career trajectory I realized how I liked the fast-paced nature of business and I like to have control and be able to kind of call the shots and try things and um that all of the things that come with you know running your own business and being your own boss which I had never considered before and so yeah I, re I really liked that and I realized that there's no way that I could handle the slow slope bureaucratic pace of working in the UN. I don't know that Maybe in I'll alternate never... universe right now, you're already the, the chair, chairman, chairperson <laughs> of the UN. Maybe. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe eventually, I'll, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe but. you would have actually like helped people somewhere you know, along the line. But no, I'm glad you're here. At least. I, I, I definitely, I can say with almost 100% certainty that I have helped more people in this job than I would probably be able to in whatever I would have done by now in, in the UN. Although I shouldn't speak poorly of that. I just know it's quite, you know, bureaucratic. You can't can't get things done right away if you want to. I certainly know a few people with experience who, who speak ill of the... Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. So yeah, I'm glad I found this. And um, I, yeah, that's my general story. Graduated and now I'm a full-time full coach here. So that's me. I guess, yeah, then that's a good thing maybe that we should talk about as well. So the business coach side of things and what that looks like and, and how the process worked for you moving from being an entrepreneur start here I guess, uh, manager to being a general manager for the company as a whole. What does that look like for our audience? Yeah, I just, I just did really well with it. Honestly, like I've always been a really hard worker and I just never really had anything meaningful to put that work towards. And then I found this program and it was, it was awesome. And so I did really well with it and they needed a coach in <laughs> Eastern Ontario. So I became a coach and I, I did that while I was still running my franchise for the last two years of university. And then uh, after I got graduated, it's been my full-time job. So it was weird moving from having a business and making profit to having a salary. So now I'm like a salaried desk job worker, even though I don't really feel, <laughs> feel like it, I guess. Um, but that was me. And then I guess in comes, in comes you. And I was actually Owen's coach in his first year because um, Owen is a few years my junior and uh yeah you yeah a few for team. sure uh, a anyway. few for sure <laughs> <laughs> a few at most we'll say okay well it's definitely more than a couple so I think that qualifies a few <laughs> anyway just kidding um yeah so I guess to yeah speak to my my beginning with the company um, like I said in, in my little story there, they came and spoke in my lecture hall about the program and I was really excited because I had actually already planned and uh, designed a landscaping company that I was going to run during the summer, but my confidence was a little shaken by my research. I wasn't sure how successful I was going to be in terms of like finding the clients and stuff. Um, the marketing aspect and that sort of thing scared me, uh, especially at the beginning. So when they came and spoke in my lecture hall and had mentioned that it was running your own business as a franchise, but with a support system and a coach and, you know, design and proven methods that had worked for, you know, 50 years. I thought that was the perfect segue for me being my own entrepreneurial boss, uh, like just, but with, with a little bit of a step in between. Um, and so that's, that's what I did. And I guess, funny enough, Quentin would have been in the building that day because it was you and Calvin who came to Trent, right? But he was the one who had given the, the, the little speech, the little blurb in my, my lecture hall. But I put my name down on the sheet and Calvin called me up. I did the interview process, which is a little bit longer with this job, obviously, just because it's a bit of an investment on, on both from both parties. Um, and moving through that, I thought Calvin was going to be my, my coach until I, uh, mm -hmm. I remember I had actually not done the prep work before our first training session. And Calvin got mad at me and gave me shit. And then I got told shortly after that, uh, you were going to be the coach, not Calvin. So I thought maybe I had been demoted or something at first. I don't know. It's kind of funny to think back to now. And then you learned that it was actually a promotion for me to yes, coach you. Yes, yeah, promotion. Sorry, <laughs> I'm Calvin, just Calvin, guess, if, yeah. if you're listening. 
we're, we're just kidding. Um, but yeah, so it had nothing to do with you not doing your prep. It was just ge geographic. Um, and so, yeah, we, I remember our first meeting, honestly, I feel like this also says a lot about you. And we, I was like, Hey, I'm in Peterborough. Do you want to sit down for a business planning meeting? And so we went to the local bar and it was like, I don't know, 9 PM or something. And, uh, we laid out the business plan for the for the year and then at like 10 10 30 you're like okay i gotta go i have to write a paper for midnight it's due at midnight oh yeah <laughs> i do remember that and i wrote like yeah, it was <laughs> a couple thousand words like an hour and a half just like, grinded out the worst paper ever handed in got like a 65 on it or something i was still pretty pleased that i had done that in an hour and a half or something yeah and that's that's probably the moment when i knew you were going to be successful because we talked to a lot of people in this whether it's in um like interviewing people or not even getting to that stage or even during like if i'm actually coaching them uh, people have a lot of excuses and we'll say like hey can we set up a meeting uh, sometime this week and they're like oh well exams are in three weeks so i'm pretty pretty swamped i can't oh, yeah, set aside an hour uh, meanwhile owen's over here meeting with me until 10 30 when he's got a paper due at midnight that he hasn't started and he still manages to do both so i think that says a lot about about you um in well, a good that's way. my problem is i do both uh both half-assed instead of doing one thing to last everything it's okay <laughs> here, we'll call you a jack of all trades jack of all trades yeah that would be the the nice way to say it i think yeah, yeah. we'll leave out the master of none second half to that <laughs> yeah just keep that <laughs> one in the fine print i guess yeah the fine print asterisk i guess that is a good time to contextualize for our audience what the entrepreneur start here brand is and how that came to be um i guess naturally um everyone who was in the college pro franchisee entrepreneur start here program at that time was a young entrepreneur someone who wanted to run their own business that's why we were all in the program um, pretty unique in terms of some students taking on a, running a business rather than just a summer job right so uh, we all share a lot of similar interests. The content of you know what we're studying, what we're focusing on in our lives is, is very similar. So we're watching a lot of the same you know YouTube shows or uh, reading the same books, that kind of thing, that sort of entrepreneurial self-improvement culture. And we thought that just with all of us going through these similar experiences and being interested in the same subjects, we decided we would create a brand, Entrepreneurs Start Here, that represents the kind of learning that we had in the College Pro Franchisee program. And that's how this podcast came to be, how our website came to be. We have the blog going right now. I mean, it's just about focusing on those learning points that come with running your own business and being your own boss rather than just, you know, uh, joining the rat race, as some would put it. Um, so I guess, what, what, what do you have to say, I guess, about that process, Quentin? Because I actually wasn't around when Entrepreneurs Start Here first started. But of course, we've, we've done a lot to advance that, that brand lately. Yeah, I guess it was just the distinction between so it's so college pro as a business, which is our customer facing kind of brand has been around for 50 years. And it's always been a, a young person running a business like being taught and running a business um, and then delivering a service to the customers. So that was always like the service the customer facing brand like our service is college pro window cleaning or college pro painters in the in the past um, or different things like that uh, but the actual program itself like that you're right there's so many people that go through it and we're we're all you know young ambitious people trying to improve ourselves and and learn a bunch and kind of um, change our, our life's trajectory 
And so we kind of put a brand to that because it really is a program that somebody goes through to learn how to own and operate a business. And the business just happens to be a college pro, like home servicing kind of business. So that's, that's kind of how it comes together. And yeah, I think it's what really stands out. It's something happened a couple of weeks ago. You remember the, uh, the 50 summers call we had? Uh, it's our 50th year in business. And we had a, a call with a bunch of alumni on uh, to kind of celebrate the, the 50 years that we've been in business. And it was really cool because so many people are doing such crazy, impressive things now. And they, and they all started their journey running a, running a franchise um, with like, as the entrepreneurs start your program with, with college pro way back when some of them, you know, in the seventies, eighties. So that was really cool. So entrepreneurs start here is just, it just really, I mean, it says it all in the title people, a lot of people can get their start uh, especially people who don't necessarily see themselves as an entrepreneur or has, have never considered owning their own business for, for themselves, like as, a, as an option. Uh, that was me for sure. Like I said, I wanted to have basically like a government job and I would have never considered a, a entrepreneurship as a viable path um, until I just stumbled upon this opportunity. It's super structured. It's like a sandbox version of running a business. And then I, I learned that I can succeed in that realm. So I think we have a lot of people that don't necessarily think that they will be entrepreneurs in the future, but then learn that they actually have the tools or are given the tools as well to be able to do it. So yeah, that's what entrepreneur, entrepreneurs start here means to me, I guess. In a, in yeah, the 50 a summers thing was cool. It was, I mean, seeing all those people who are running their own business is very successfully now or who had done a really good job climbing the corporate ladder or big shot lawyers and stuff like that it gave me a little bit of hope there um, thinking that you know maybe one day I'm on a trajectory right now that'll lead one day to to being successful economically not the risk of sounding a little bit vain uh too bad I guess uh Kimball and Elon didn't show up to the uh 50 summers right? yeah that would have been nuts I Elon Musk showed up he was yeah he, his brother ran for context his brother Kimball Musk ran a went, ran a franchise in Kingston Ontario way back when uh, I don't know if we're allowed to name drop on this podcast. I don't know, but <laughs> I guess we can. Um, I have, we, uh, might as well flex our, our biggest flex here. Might as well, yeah. So that was really cool when I learned that. And I learned that actually through reading uh, the the book about Elon. It's not a, it's a biography, not an autobiography. Biography on Elon on Musk and they mentioned College Pro in there. So I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, what? I didn't know this. So yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Calvin of... told me that like first first interview. When he was oh yeah? On the... yeah, he he must have known that you'd uh, you'd be all over that. Yeah, probably good call on his part. Good call on his part, yeah. But yeah, no. So I guess what we're doing now with the brand is, I guess, a little bit more focused in terms of providing that content directly ourselves, rather than just being like a network of people who have run their own businesses and that sort of thing, like producing the podcast, producing the blog. Um, the mailing list and things like that like we're, we're just trying to bring content to a wider audience right and hopefully kind of share a lot of the, the stuff that we've learned for sure and we have learn. and we have some alumni on the podcast so uh, people like we've had Dakota and we had Aaron Anders um, yeah and Cheyenne Tan also ran a ran a business too so some alumni from our company and then some people externally where we just we've heard of their businesses and we want to hear about how they got their start um so yeah yeah it's been it's been really cool and I feel like 
there's a lot of similarities between starting up businesses, no matter what industry you're in, is kind of what I've seen so far. And it's cool to hear about, you know, the grind. I think a common thread is definitely hard work. Like people aren't afraid to work hard and kind of problem solve and, and figure things out as they go along and just have this, you know, drive to make their vision a reality, essentially. Um, so yeah, yeah it's been really cool. I guess, uh, I mean, this isn't really the time to talk about the College Pro franchising, but if anyone who's listening is interested in that, uh, you could send us an email. Um, you can use my email, Owen Healy, O-W-E-N-H-E-A-L-E-Y at collegepro.com. And if you are interested, we have info sessions where we talk to some interested candidates about what that, that opportunity looks like. Uh, but I guess that's not really the focus of what we're getting into today, uh, rather kind of talking about some of the, the entrepreneurial learning and stuff that's, that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And talking about each other, I guess we can interview yeah, each other a little bit. Introducing ourselves to the, the audience is key. Because like you say, we hadn't really done much back and forth. We're kind of just presenting these interviews without maybe contextualizing where we're looking at this from. So I guess the, the focal point here to me is that we're both uh, young entrepreneurs. We have maybe a bit more experience than some in the audience, but surely not as much as others. So the perspective kind of comes from a place of, of learning for us as people who you know still have the majority of our careers ahead of us rather than behind us. Okay, so a question that I've been wanting to ask you, because I know you've always got an interesting answer for this one is, what have you been reading lately? Yeah, I do, I guess, have an interesting answer. I don't know if it's the answer you're going to want to hear. I've been reading a lot of uh, historical books, as you know, that's an interest of mine. And I do think there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. I try to alternate in between, you know, a book that I'm interested in and a book that I think is useful to me. So I guess right now, the most recent business-related book is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, that's a book that, of course, I, I guess everyone probably listening has, has heard of, and one that I recommend very highly. I thought it was very useful, and it lived up to the, the hype, which is not always the case with those kind of business-related or like personal development-related books. So definitely a lot of lessons there. But then beyond that, I've been uh, yeah reading some war memoirs, which I think is also valuable in a way because you you read about the real experiences of people who are in the most stressful situations you can possibly imagine and the the lessons that it taught them I guess in line with what we were talking about earlier you can imagine that but degrees of magnitude beyond it in terms of the uh, the experiences they have and the the way they behave in those situations and the lessons that that it taught them so yeah that's I don't know if I would. I won't get into the specifics of the books because I don't know that uh, you'll want to read them. But what about you? Are you reading anything interesting? I, I tend to do the same thing, kind of alternate between um, different types of books. I'm right now. I'm reading. Well, I've been reading for a very long time, so you probably know this. I'm reading Sacagawea still. I'm almost done. Finally, it's a very thick book, um, but that's really cool. Kind of historical book. Not that I'm usually into reading history. Uh, and then the other one that I'm reading right now is, it was a gift from my sister. It's the Zero Waste Chef. Zero Waste Chef. Oh yeah, you saw that one too. Yeah, so I'm I'm almost the way all the way through that one as well. So the Zero Waste Chef. I am I I'm not zero waste. And, and you're I'm not a not chef. A chef. That's <laughs> but I'm but I'm learning. I'm working on it. I have lots of jars filled with things in my in my fridge and my cupboards now so I'm that sounds a little there. bit more menacing than you intended I think 
what zero waste chef oh no no the things in jars yeah the I, have I, eyeballs, I have different like people's the john wayne gacy chef <laughs> that is That's not at all cookbook but... jeffrey dahmer cookbook no more like like ground up flaxseed and like nutritional yeast and things like that yeah, yeah. okay fair enough that is a little bit different <laughs> a little bit different. Seven Did Jeffrey Dahmer die? Like, how come he never came out with a cookbook? That could have been a good moneymaker, I think. Business I, idea. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. He probably got the chair or something. I don't know. <laughs> probably. Um, but Seven Habits, are you done that one? Do you remember? No, I'm not done. I like similar to your Sacagawea situation. I've been slowly pecking away at it. I, I'm almost done as well. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it really was an inspirational book to read. I definitely see why it's kind of remembered as such a significant book because i've read some of those other ones like even um you know napoleon hill and dale carnegie and stuff like that i thought those were great books and full of great information but i don't know if, to me they seemed as life-changing as as they were uh, sold as you know as some people remember them as so but whereas i was not unimpressed at all with seven habits yeah that one definitely has stood the test of time i feel like dale carnegie's book was older i don't know if that's accurate to say yeah it is i think it's from from the 1910s or is uh seven hours from the 70s or something yeah a little more modern yeah that's a cool one i feel like i should yeah, now I, I still do use the dale carnegie how to win friends influence people tactics sometimes in my day-to-day -day. like i still remember when i when i'm criticizing people to make, start with a compliment and stuff like that like it you know, like it's I, nice little I, do, I do the same element. thing like dealing with customer service people if i'm writing a an email or like on the phone i do that does come to mind, being being kind first, yeah. I also bought another Dale Carnegie book. I bought a couple of those books recently. I guess I'll be able to talk about them on a later episode once I'm done. Seven Habits, but like one that was like how to uh, public speak with confidence and stuff like that. I thought that would be a cool skill to learn. I feel like maybe a forgotten skill of today would be public speaking because I still catch myself getting nervous anytime I'm giving a presentation, even if it's something I'm confident in, whereas like, social anxiety is something I kind of overcame as a adolescent I've never really gotten the whole public speaking presentation thing down so that's you, probably one I should act I, I wouldn't know it based on your your speaking skills and your your acting skills and all of that yeah maybe that's why I always make the presentations so so funny because you know it escapes from having or allows me to evade having to only do a serious presentation <laughs> have to do full serious no jokes podcast sometimes yeah no I, if it's what the people want okay what about uh podcast i know you're a big podcast listener so are you uh listening to any good ones besides of course the uh entrepreneur start here podcast yeah which i can only highly recommend to anyone <laughs> uh, modest yes uh, i do listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to let me think the one i've listened to the most is this podcast with Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick. Uh, and Lauren is the founder of Skinny Confidential. And I I heard about her. So she has like a blog and an Instagram and she's a, it's her whole brand. Um, and I heard about that brand through a book that Aaron Anders, my boss, our boss, gifted to all of the full-time team back in I don't know, like 2017 or something. It's Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crushing It. And right, yeah, famous book. Yeah, and so he talks a lot about brand building and she was one of the people that he wrote about in his book. And so I checked out her 
her stuff and her and her husband have this incredible podcast like absolutely incredible I feel like the name the skinny confidential would exclude a whole section of people from thinking they should listen to it um, yeah, I think it kind of excluded me there when you first brought it up but yeah it's all like it's pink and everything which I don't know I don't know that's not I wouldn't choose pink personally but for her that's her her thing and that's their like their brand that they have but they have the they have really cool guests uh it never disappoints they're really good at asking questions they're also successful themselves they have a lot of stuff they can share so that one's really cool skinny confidential him and her podcast I would recommend to literally anybody even if the name doesn't (laughs) make you want to listen to it as soon as you turn it on you'll definitely want to um, and the other one I listened to is much more local because those 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 guys are out in the in LA and and in the states. Um, but the other one I listened to, let me think, it is called the I think it's just called the Real Estate Investing Podcast. No, breakthrough. Right, I think you've, you've sent me some episodes on that one before, right? Yeah, breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast with Rob Brake and Sandy McKay, and they are two Ontario locals and so they talk about real estate investing in in Ontario so that one's been really like tactical because I've heard a lot of different people's perspectives and strategies right here in Ontario so I really like to listen to that one um yeah that one's really cool and the yeah just a few others but those are the two main ones that I've listened to like probably hundreds of episodes of it at least at the very least Almost all hundreds of episodes, really. Yeah. I uh, let me check this. I think I might be mistaken, so I'm going to confirm this before I okay assure you. But I'm pretty sure I've met and spoken with uh, Rob Brig. Oh yeah. I think so because when I was doing some investigation as far as my real estate purchase, I was recommended to uh, Rob Brig. Oh okay. Well, actually, I believe his main where he got his start was in Peterborough. Yeah, so I have spoken with him actually. Cool. So I don't know I, if that's him who runs that podcast. It's pretty cool. I didn't realize that when I spoke to him. Yeah, here he is, Rob Brake, right there in my texts. Cool. Oh, uh, that's a conversation cool. with him about my first uh, in investment, I guess, uh, property beyond my my house because originally I was going to use him for the house, but I had already kind of committed to a realtor at that time, so he kind of got his guys back to me a little bit too late. But yeah, that's that's funny. Wow. Yeah. He, I mean, he's doing really well. He just moved to Costa Rica uh, from, I talk like I know him, but that's just because I listen to him often. You're just a fan. Eh? I'm just, I want to say. I know him. I'm his friend. You're his fan. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, he just moved. So I don't know if he's doing much in, in uh, Peterborough anymore, but he, they've had their podcast for years and years. So it's a cool resource for anybody looking to get into real estate in Ontario for sure. So here's another question for you. If you yeah, were okay. given, if you were given $10,000 today, what would you do with it? Hmm, good question. $10,000 today to start a business. I don't know. I'm tempted to say maybe I would just put it all into like Ethereum and then gamble it on uh, altcoins, like, you know, whatever the next Dogecoin is going to be. Speaking of Doge, you can hear your dog in the back. Yeah, you can hear the dog in the background. I'm trying to keep him quiet. I just got a new dog. We're listening, but I'll try to get him out of the room here. One second. Anyway, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I would be tempted to just gamble it away on uh, cryptocurrencies, but I think that there are probably smarter ideas I could come up with here if I think about it for a minute. I'm, I've always kind of toyed with like a few business ideas. I was thinking of like with the COVID situation, like a mobile personal training business, like you bring a gym in like an E350 van to people's houses. You could probably get the van and, you know, the weights and stuff with, with 10 grand and then just like hire somebody to be like the personal trainer who goes to these people's houses and you could like charge a premium. I think you're, you're, you'd pay for it pretty quickly because um, your hourly could be, be pretty huge. I remember reading a book years ago where a guy had did like a mobile personal training business. I think that's where I heard the idea from. I always thought that would be cool. Um, obviously with a service-based business, uh, is the dog loud there in the background? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, well, I guess my, my experience with a service-based business, I thought uh, you know doing something like that again would be cool just with what I know now I think I could run a pretty mean business and 10 10k would do it that way um I don't know what are you what's coming to mind for you with 10 10 grand so the most recent thing that I've thought uh so 10 grand won't get me a house I definitely want to buy another house I can't say I'm a real estate investor yet because I literally only have the house I live in and rent out rent it out a little bit um but I want to get another house, won't get that with 10 grand. So something else that I've been thinking about a lot because I'm renovating, slowly renovating the house I live in, uh, but I don't have any space to renovate. It's like a townhome style and I don't have any tools. And if I bought tools, you know, I wouldn't have any place to put them. So, you know, co-working spaces yeah. that will go into like a WeWork. I was thinking it'd be cool to have a co-working like workshop, you know? I've seen like guys garage. who do that. There's one of those in Kempville, like a co-working garage. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, at least it used to be. I thought that would be really cool for people downtown that don't really have the space or access to tools and yeah, a, a workshop, a garage type of area. I, yeah, that, that could be cool. You could buy a lot of tools with 10 grand, I think. I would think so. Yeah. I guess the problem would be, how do you keep people from stealing them? I don't know. Yeah. And like the liability of somebody cuts their thumb off, I was thinking about as well. Uh, just think of sign a waiver. It's probably fine. <laughs> sign a waiver. Yeah. Or we could have, you know, yeah. specialists wandering around to being like, Hey, do you need help cutting that there piece of wood? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. no, now that's increasing our payroll a little bit beyond the scope of the co-working space. Mm -hmm. yeah, what about yeah. actually doing a co-working Space. I guess you need to like rent or buy a building. Yeah, I had thought about that too. Seems like some of those like places in Peterborough where I'm at right now, like the the co-working space just started up by renting some of that like commercial real estate that's opened up since COVID. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that before COVID. I that was one of like because I hadn't bought my house yet. I was thinking about maybe buying a space that had that as an option. Uh because I work from home and I would be able to use it. I thought that would be cool. But then COVID happened and nobody was using offices. But yeah, I think that could be a viable option now. I've heard about really cool ones. Have you heard about the, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a subscription service to an international version of these where you go and like live and work in a house abroad. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've heard of that one specifically, but Kevin was telling me, for the context, anyone listening, he's another general manager for College Pro. He uh, was telling me there's like one in Canada that's Canada-wide. You get like a subscription, you can go to whatever city you're in in Canada, you can you can use the co-working space, like Toronto, Calgary, 
or Vancouver, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. I like those. Uh, it's, it gets, mm, it gets monotonous working at home for sure. So. Yeah. I definitely see in my mind, a return to offices in the future. Uh, some people are saying they'll never come back, but I could see it coming back because I am struggling somewhat with my working exclusively from home thing. Yeah. Yeah. And people with kids too, I feel like that would be really tough being around your family all the time. Um, yeah. I feel like I can sympathize with that a little more because I don't even have kids. I just have a dog now. And probably <laughs> yeah. Now you can feel their pain a little bit. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that making a comeback. So cool. maybe we got to take advantage of it. There's always another, like other businesses I want to start with like 10 grand. And I think about it, like, I always think flipping cars, like if you just check once a day on those, you know, auto trader, sometimes you see like a ridiculously under market value when like someone doesn't know what they have. Like even if it was just cars under $5,000, like commuter vehicles or like cars under $10,000. Um, like sometimes you see someone put up like a pretty nice new Civic for $2,500 when you know that that should be going for six grand right now or something, you know what I mean? So I, sometimes I wonder if you just had, with side money could you flip a few cars reliably if you kept it within like you know scope of commonly sought commuter vehicles like obviously i'm sure it's harder to be a luxury dealer with nice 30 grand bmws or whatever mm-hmm. well you could give it a try with the with the civic with the civic yeah i don't know that one might be beyond beyond a prayer but that maybe would- that could start start the career we'll have to we'll have to actually maybe run the numbers on that We'll just get that, sell that one. Just like, you know, those uh, videos where people like try to trade up, they start with like a paper clip and they end up with a car or a house or whatever. I've never seen those videos, but it sounds, it sounds intriguing. What if we make one of those videos and it's us flipping from like a Honda Civic up to uh, like, I don't know, a $15,000 car or something. We could try. I mean, the Civic, so for context, everybody, the Civic, Honda Civic, we bought for a crew it right now like the roof is dented in the back back fender is dented so that when you go over a bump it like scrapes the tire the oil light is always flashing um it's purple paint like peeling off it's rough it's rough um and it's in the shop as we speak um but (laughs) but i don't know maybe we could do something with that maybe that would be that interesting. That's a pretty funny idea. I think we should actually put an ad up on Kijiji like for trade. Okay. We'll if, trade it for like, it drives and it sucks. We'll trade it for a car that like doesn't drive, but doesn't suck as bad. Like a, someone's like project truck or something. Uh-huh. And then we'll trade that for like a car that drives and is slightly better than the Civic or something. Like we'll come with an idea. Here. Okay. We'll see um, how it goes. If anybody has any ideas, please let us know. We'll keep you updated. Oh, and then I guess the other business idea I, I talk to you about sometimes is uh, buying a car and then renting it out on Turo until it pays for itself. Maybe mm-hmm. a car that you want but can't afford, like a little Mercedes S series or something, like not ridiculous, but, you know, nice. And then you put it on Turo and then over a certain amount of years, it pays for itself or at least, you know, pays for itself for long enough that you can like then take over the payment sometime in the future with some yeah. equity built up in it and then you've yeah. allowed you to work your way into a car you can't you wouldn't have been able to otherwise afford yeah i mean i do that with my car because i work from home so i use my car so infrequently that it pains me to have it just sitting there uh in the driveway uh, but i do love i love my car it's a 
Tucson, Hyundai Tucson. Um, so I'm definitely not going to get rid of it. So I thought I'd rent it out on Tarot, which is super easy. It's a great app, by the way, if anybody needs a car or has a car that they don't use, definitely check out Turo. Um, but yeah, it's a, yeah, that would be a cool one. Make a pretty good amount of the total that people, that it charges people. So super, yeah, that'd be cool. Well, you'll have to send me the numbers and uh, we'll see if it's feasible. But I've yeah. seen like the Arturo, the, it's, it gets pretty steep quickly at the end. Like they're all pretty affordable. And then you see the Tesla's on there, they're very pricey. So I wonder if like the numbers would be better on those as like a percentage of the payment percentage of the yeah the monthly payment the monthly payment yeah yeah it's true because mine mine is like a 2018 suv nothing special and i think it on the app it's like 45 bucks a day but if you want a mercedes it's 95 dollars a day so yeah so like although it's like maybe only 40 dollars more if it's like double it's probably not double the monthly payment to have a Mercedes instead of 2018 SUV is what I'm thinking off the top of my head right now, but that could be an idea. Yeah, maybe we'll check that one out too. These are these are very quite feasible ideas. Maybe we'll have to start something up. Yeah, if only I had $10,000 right now to start something up with. <laughs> I guess one last thing we should discuss is uh, like, what are some things you're excited about for 2022? Because I know you've been talking a little bit about your first investment property your first house that you're not living in what uh what's going on there yeah i i have been working on getting a second place and speaking with my mortgage broker uh, i can refinance the place that i have right now and uh, when i bought it i didn't have two years of in salaried income on my t4 so if that if that means anything to anybody, <laughs> I'm not sure, but it just meant that they had to average out basically like my student income and then my salary, uh, which averaged out to really not good on paper. And so that was fine. I still was able to get my house, but now that I have a few years of, of income, uh, steady income that looks a lot more favorable for the banks and the lenders for mortgage brokers. So. Um, I can, I'm, have access to more financing, basically. So I will, if I take action, be able to get a second property and have it as a rental property next year. So that's that's exciting. That's, I guess, on the horizon, call it. Um, in terms of, I don't know, extracurriculars, I don't know. Like, we'll see what the world looks like. Um, I've been definitely getting outside as much as I can. And so hopefully... I, getting outside and going camping and stuff more in the spring once that comes around. And then the business, like you and I, we've been working for a while now, kind of filling filling spots on our team. We have uh, a lot of really good people on, the, on our team for um, the College Pro Business 2022 so far. And then we have some spots still to fill, but the business as it is right now, like we've worked on a lot of different details that we've really, really never nailed down in the eight years that I've been part of the company. Um, so, but they're really, we're really kind of dialing it in. So I'm, I'm really pumped for everybody that's going to be running a business next year that I'll be able to coach and uh, work with on that because yeah, the business that we have right now is 
so different from when I started or when you started, Owen, running a business. Um, it's it's way more dialed in and and really cool kind of program. So yeah, that's that's me. How about you? Yeah, I mean that is exciting. The, the team coming up. This is uh, as you know, but um, it's my first time running a full size division. So I'm going to have about 20 people of my own to coach this year. So a little bit of pressure. I'm kind of nervous, but generally pretty excited. And I'm. Uh, I'm an optimistic guy. I think it's going to go really well. Like you say, there are a few spots open. So if you guys do check out entrepreneurstarthere.com, uh, you, you can fill out, like I think, a little box and it will let you inquire about positions available in the company. We have a few different positions on the team. Um, but yeah, I know I'm super excited to be coaching like a full-size division for the first time, putting some of the skills and training I've had over the last couple of years to, to good use. Um, and then, yeah, I guess as far as other things going on in 2022, like you say, yeah, extracurriculars are a little varied, but no, I'm definitely uh, hoping to follow in your footsteps in terms of getting a second property going with the, the refinance. I guess one thing I, that occurred to me when you were talking about getting that house is a funny story about how I got mine. You say yours didn't look good on paper because mm -hmm. you you know declared all your expenses and really dutiful with your receipts and stuff, whereas I am not good at those sorts of things. And I didn't pay my taxes on time one year. And accountant, an accountant who talked at college pro event one time said that you know you pay the interest on the taxes you pay late and they call it in accounting the idiot tax and i was kind of i was sitting in the audience and i knew i hadn't paid my taxes kind of like, oh come on come on man <laughs> i want to be the idiot but now because i didn't pay my taxes on time and i didn't have the receipts and i wasn't able to declare my expenses and i knew how much or how little how few expenses i needed to declare to have what i needed on paper mm. it sounded or like i was able to like you know, pay my taxes appropriately for my business to, to look like what it needed to look on paper to, to get the house. So I think that was uh, not an idiot tax at all. It was fortuitous, really a reward for my, my poor management of my financial affairs. You know, I have heard, I guess what I'm trying to say, if I could translate that, I would say lesson number one, never pay your taxes on time. I don't know if I want that to be necessarily the takeaway from here, but I have heard that procrastination can uh, definitely benefit people. It's sometimes good to procrastinate because your best work comes out at the very end after that, whatever you are supposed to be doing is like mulling over in your brain in the back of your mind. Yeah. I mean, some people call it procrastination. I call it the uh, Buddhist principle of wait and see. <laughs> wait and see. Very nice. So yeah, I'm excited for your division too. I think you're going to crush it this year as um as a coach and i'm excited to see how it goes i think that's all we've got in terms of questions for each other maybe we can do another one of these at some point um yeah i hope you guys yeah, we should do another one like this and have questions from the audience so if you guys have any questions you want to hear on the next episode with just quentin and i definitely throw them on our website or on the podcast listening app of your choice or by email. We definitely appreciate any uh, comments there. So yeah, okay. thanks a lot for listening. And I hope you guys like the form. Yeah, we'd be happy to chat.